Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Forward 40. Today, we have in the guest chair our youngest guest to date. She is a social justice activist, a media professional. She's been featured in Teen Vogue, USA Today, and BuzzFeed. And I came across her work because she is a part of the inaugural fellowship, the Yale Program Public Voices Fellowship on the Climate Crisis. And I saw her profile, and I was like, okay. We, we haven't really been hearing like what's been going on in the Southwest. Uh, and I was really, really just inspired just about um, her youthfulness, to be quite frank, uh, and the the vast nature of, of her work at such a young age. Um, so this fellowship, it's a part of the Op-Eds Project um, on the National Public Voices Initiative to change who writes history. And it's also a part of the, the Yale program, as I said, um, on climate change's communications work to diversify and amplify the voices working to build public and political will for climate change action. So welcome, Irene, to Forward 40. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, this is actually one of my first times being on a podcast, so that's exciting, other than my own personal experience. Um, but yeah, so I'm Irene Franco Rubio. I am from Phoenix, Arizona. I am a college student, activist, uh, community leader, um, with a variety of uh, experience in local organizing, uh, like grassroots movements, in addition to you know the national scale, having interned on Capitol Hill. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to give a little bit more insight on who I am, what I'm about, and um, my story and the type of change that I hope to create. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and like I said, like, it's just so amazing. The, uh, the experiences that you've had to date just in, <laughs> you know, like uh, the few years that, <laughs> you know, like you're still in college and, um, that's also very inspiring, especially at a point where, um, people are feeling a sense of hopelessness, um, and just like questioning the, the future of the country, but then also just like their own uh, personal and professional lives. So, yeah, well, to add to that, I would say, like, yes, I recognize how incredibly privileged and the access to opportunities that I've had so far. Um, I guess just being from Phoenix and um, Arizona, maybe you've heard or maybe your audience knows, um, is Arizona is known for the SB 1070 bill, an anti immigration bill that. Um, happened 10 years ago, actually, as of mm. this, this week. It's been 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like that whole upbringing, that experience, recognizing, you know, I have power in being a citizen. I have power in being able to pursue a higher education um, that allowed me to really take advantage of these opportunities, which gave me the access to have them so early on. Like, I'm 20 now, and I can say that I really think I have holistic experiences that are really driving me towards a professional and, like, community career that's going to help me inspire others mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so can you set the stage for us a little bit like um 
What yes. is the, the 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 landscape of just like the issues in um, in Phoenix, and I guess more specifically the the West Valley, where where you're from? Yeah, so the West Valley is um, to me, I refer to it as the West Valley. People outside of Arizona wouldn't really know, um, but it's a predominantly Latinx community. Um, my entire upbringing, I grew up along the I-10. So the I-10 is known as like the freeway with like all the traffic. It's beginning to come like Los Angeles traffic. And on this side of uh, Phoenix, it's very, um, I would say underserved. Youth don't have as much access to opportunity. Um, we're not as invested in, we're youth of color, um, communities of color, predominantly immigrant. Um, and there is, you know, black and brown, like native and, and other groups. Um, but the focus is very much so Latinx. And so you know, in high school, I had the opportunity to, you know, go to high school and be engaged and have a job and um, really take advantage of just being a student. But I would say that we weren't provided with the access to recognize our political power Hmm. um, and what it meant to be activists. You know, I honestly did not even know what it meant to be an activist. I was too focused on going to work. I was working at Old Navy at the time. And like, I was super committed to working at Old Navy. And I was also on the track team. And I did cross country and so I devoted all my time to just trying to, you know, make the most of what I had access to. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't know was, you know, my family and most of our families were low income and how the systems were designed to have us feel oppressed, to make yeah. us think we didn't have access to do more. Um, so it was realizing that when I got to college that, you know, I'm low income, I'm a first generation college student, first generation American, like there's a lot of power in that. Mm-hmm. Um and so I began to really dive into journalism. I started um, studying journalism um, at the Cronkite School, which is here in Phoenix. It's one of the, uh, like a top school, I would say, definitely. And so they really provided me with the power to recognize how important um, the freedom of the press is. Mm. And so then that I began to dive further into writing and recognizing that I could create social change through writing not necessarily as a journalist that's that's unbiased and objective but more so as a community activist that is has the the power to want to uplift voices that traditionally go unheard yeah um so it was then that i decided oh you know i don't really want to be a journalist that's objective and unbiased though it's critical and needed for society Mm -hmm. i think that i could create more change and provide my community with more power um through writing um, that uplifts their stories. That is amazing. Um, And now when you, did you enter college knowing like, okay, journalism is my track or did that evolve? I, I think, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Honestly, in high school, college wasn't really like such a priority to me. Like I said, I was more concerned about like having like, money for myself or my family for really advancing myself. I don't know why this idea of, you know, being having such a hard work ethic and wanting to create money, it's embedded into the way that we live and the way that we see ourselves. Um, And it was having to transition from that mentality of, you know, I'm more than just a worker Mm. and realizing that there's more power in that because, you know, my mom and dad, they're part of the working class. My dad's a truck driver. Um, Currently, you know, the whole truck driving situation is crazy with what's going on. Exactly. Um, Had to become a, um, a construction worker as of recently. So he was a truck driver for the past 20 years. And as of three weeks ago, he had to give that up because there wasn't any, a lot of um, work going out, not mm-hmm. a lot of living going out. And so like seeing how, you know, our own communities are being impacted by this 
mm-hmm. and seeing how like having an education would allow me to uplift myself and those I've left behind. Um, so anyway, sorry, kind of got sidetracked, but it really ties into to all the work that I do. You know, seeing that my own family and our community um, doesn't have a lot of access to pursue the opportunities they want to pursue and having to stay in, in, in this, you know, belief that they are oppressed. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I appreciate and I admire that um, you could just hear the humility and the, the passion in just in your voice um, and you, you just know it, like it, it, it truly radiates. Um, I know like for me, not necessarily having all of the, the know-how, so to speak, about what college was supposed to be. Like I, re- I remember like <laughs> there were um, like TV shows that were on at the time that, you know, whether it was like Saved by the Bell or whatever the case may be, I'm dating myself. <laughs> But, you know, like, (laughs) but, you know, there were even images of like what high school was supposed to be. That was not my high school experience. Mm -hmm. So um, just kind of the imagination of what college was supposed to be was still a little, you know, a little bit of a far reach Um, for for me. I was I was the first between, you know, my parents to um, go to college. My grandparents um, didn't. Um, going to college either uh, for them, I would say for the most part they had a um, a middle school education. You know, growing up in the rural South and then also the Caribbean. So this this point of um, access that you're talking about, um, it's like I I truly feel that it's it's our duty that once we are able to attain that access, um, that we are giving forward and giving back to those that may not necessarily have the the language right so to speak Mm -hmm. that um that would be able to you know connect with to be quite frank like white dominant culture so um i truly appreciate that you're so wise beyond your years Uh, (laughs) it's a community that shapes you and seeing what is unjust and seeing that you know we are people too. We should all have the same access. I don't think it should be limited to, to those who are like, you know, of color or those who are white. Correct. Um, Correct. Like in high school, like I said, I didn't even know I was going to go to college, to be honest with you. I thought I was going to go to community college here. It's one of the local ones um, because that's what I had access to. I wasn't, um, I didn't know what it meant to like really apply to scholarships. I didn't mm-hmm. really, I didn't apply to any other school other than here in Arizona, to be honest with you, because no one really told me not that anybody needed to tell me, but I didn't have the the exposure exactly. to the outside. Uh, I didn't even have social media at the time. So it was like I was just so limited and, and access to, to technology was a big mm-hmm. thing. I didn't have a laptop till junior year. So I was like, you know, I would do my homework at the, the local library. Um, so it's just having you're limited in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. so, you know, people later on will tell you like, oh, well, you should have done this or that. And it's like it's really not our fault. It's just, you know, a matter of having access to resources. Correct, correct. And how things mm-hmm. are um, systematically designed, right? To keep exactly, exactly. people out. So, yeah. Right. So when I recognize that and it's like, okay, now I I have social media, right? So now mm-hmm. I can see what's going on. I can see the way other students across the country are, are doing things. Um, that was when I found out like, oh, you know, like my entire life is me being an activist. Like I didn't choose to be an activist. It's just that's the way my life is. And that's mm-hmm. the way our lives are in our communities that I just thought, well, now I understand the power that I possess. So now I'm going to take action to uplift those who 
in my own experience, right, didn't know what they were capable of pursuing. Correct, 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 correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't actually talked about this in a while. Like, now that I'm thinking, like, wow, you know, I was only in high school two years ago. And now that I'm, like, seeing what I've accomplished, in my in my eyes, I feel like I've, I've, I've attained uh, um, experiences that really allowed me to, you know, believe in myself and what I'm capable of doing, uh, which inspired me to then, you know, want to support other youth, which yes. kind of ties into the work I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, awesome experiences, incredibly privileged, and I am doing all that I can to make sure that, you know, other youth don't have to feel the way that I felt. You don't have to feel powerless. You don't have to feel like you need to work all the time to, to help yourself and your family, that mm -hmm. there's more to, to, to life and to school and things like that. So to the work that you're doing now, um, so you're among other things of, you know, also, you know, being a creative, uh, an organizer, um, and definitely involved in your community uh, and on campus, you're a digital organizer for uh, the Arizona Coalition for Change, which is a Black-led uh, organization that is noted to empower everyday people to transform their community through building civic power, just and equitable schools and safer neighborhoods. How did you come to be involved in the work of the Arizona Coalition for Change? And why did you, you know, with this being a black led organization, um, why did you choose to pivot from solely focusing on Latinx issues? Yeah, so kind of just to start from the very beginning, um, Last semester, I was interning in D.C. on Capitol Hill. It was an awesome opportunity. Got to really gain exposure to, like, activism on a national scale. Um, but when I got back to Phoenix, I was just really invested in wanting to provide others with that same access and to bring back what I had learned and provide it on a more, like, grassroots movement type of thing. Um, so when I came back, I was actually a, a fellow for Progress Now Arizona, which is a, like, communications hub um, that is part of the One Arizona Coalition. And One Arizona is um, was formed actually as a response to SB 1070. And the goal is to, you know, be a coalition of organizations across Arizona that are working on a variety of issues. Um, but we all come together to support one another's initiatives in order to create a movement that is more, you know, like progressive, more inclusive and really uplifts everybody's um, everybody's story. Hmm. Um, and so after that, I got the opportunity to be um, on the comms team as a digital community organizer for um, AZC4C, which is the Arizona Coalition for Change. And I wanted to expand my reach beyond the Latinx community. One, Arizona was very Latinx heavy, um, which makes sense. You know, it's as a response to um, the Latinx community, the immigrant community being most affected. But I would say that in my own upbringing and experience in Arizona, um, the black voices were often left out, um, like other voices. Uh, oftentimes I do see that the Latinx community, not just in Arizona, but across the United States, um, are really, you know, it's uplifted more so than others. Sometimes I do think that we need to create space that is inclusive of black and brown, right? Mm -hmm. Not just, not every issue is Latinx focused, not every issue is black focused, but to create an intersectional movement that really uplifts all of our voices and makes, you know, so we can all create our own narratives. Um, and so that was when I was like, okay, you know, I'm, you know, at, at AZC4C, I can help um, not only do this whole digital organizing thing, especially right now when it's so important, but yeah. also to provide back black youth 
with the ability to recognize their power. Um, yeah, despite the lack of, I guess, access of black movements here. Mm-hmm. And digital, I guess, for, for those that are not familiar or maybe confused and think that everything that's online right now is digital <laughs> organizing with the yeah. hashtag and with the tweet. <laughs> I think <laughs> perfect timing for this. <laughs> Yeah, my first day, actually, because I've only been at AZC4C not that long, was, um, like, the day that everybody decided here in Arizona, like, all right, we're going to, let's start working from home. It was before the stay-at-home order, but it was just crazy, like, okay, you're going to be a digital organizer, and, um, yeah, it's your first day, and there's a global pandemic, so let's see how this goes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it was an awesome opportunity, and it goes to show exactly what digital organizing is about. Um, so it entails like uh, just, you know, being a creative, creating content. Um, we've had to transition an entire team um, online. So uh, it's going from canvassers who usually go door to door to creating, um, to providing them with the access to do this digitally by phone banking, by sending out text messages, um, by having conversations about what it means to, you know, have effective messaging and, um to really get the word out um, beyond having to be in person. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is just a vital skill for everybody um, yeah. as we're transitioning into, you know, a society that is solely digital as we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. And it's really providing um, everybody with the opportunity to, you know, hone on those skills. Um, the issue I will say would be um, having this access to technology. Uh, exactly. I discussed earlier the access to resources. And one of the big things is, a lot of the youth didn't have um, computers at home, obviously, because we just don't have as much access. And so luckily, um, you know, we we found a way to get everybody um, on board. But this is an issue that, you know, we had the access to do. But a lot of other people, a lot of other organizers or students especially mm-hmm. do not have the access to even go to school. So mm-hmm. it's recognizing that that's an issue and working towards creating um, a solution and to just amplify it in the you know national conversation. Thank you for making that point um, mm-hmm. ab- about uh, just like the the access um, to just efforts of organizing across, you know, the, the digital space, because, um, you know, as a lot of people are, are seeing, you know, with schools um, having to, you know, transition to distance learning, um, mm-hmm. there are districts all across the country that have had to um, provide additional technology for students to learn, you know, just because someone has a smartphone does not mean that they are adept to um, do all of the capabilities (laughs) that are, that are needed to, to, you know, engage um, deeply or, or thoroughly. And then also to the point that you, you know, you were making, um, there are people that don't even have smartphones right or you know like computers at at home um i remember when the pandemic kind of you know really really took hold um and became a real part of the national conversation i i saw in the news <laughs> that this guy um had gone to i don't know if it was staples or best buy uh mm-hmm. to purchase a printer <laughs> now because his you know children are being you know, homeschooled, right? right. Or you are having, you know, to um, participate in distance learning and then have a printer at home. It's just like things like that, um, yeah. that 
even when you were in high school, like your access point were um, libraries for a number of years. Libraries are not even um, accessible right now. So exactly, I can't imagine like how difficult it must be. And it's a matter of, you know, community leaders, you know, stepping up to the plate and finding access for them. I think that the problem that I've seen is that a lot of times we don't even know what the issue is. I mean, now it's being really amplified. So now we're able to see it. Mm-hmm. But why is it that it's barely taking, like, we're barely taking action? You know, we should have been taking action because students in high school on a day-to-day basis simply do not have this access, which limits us from other students who, you know, in different areas of Arizona, I would say, and, and not the West Valley, who are then provided access to go to schools, to go to Ivy Leagues, to to do to really recognize their power and and want to create the change you know in their communities and and in the world and so it's just a matter of investing in somebody early on and recognizing that you know they're worth investing in exactly invest in them early on yes yes round of applause to that for sure (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah i i use that as as my way that's what guides me. I think my experience, my entire upbringing was just created to inspire me to mm-hmm. want to be an activist. Um, I don't know. It was a very interesting experience. Like I love Arizona. I love Phoenix, everything for it is. Um, but I will say it was just difficult to, I don't know, be a youth of color and be low income and um, have, you know, socioeconomic issues and, you know, fam- like problems at home that just created um, allowed me to recognize that this was beyond me, that this is something that it wasn't because we were poor or that we chose to be or that mm-hmm. like we had issues that we couldn't control. It was that the way the system is designed has those effects. Yes. And it's a matter of changing the system so that other youth and other families don't have to go through that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those, so those systems that you're, you're speaking to, um, there's this quote that you had in your piece, um, in Teen Vogue that speaks to like the the oppressor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Irene is noted as saying, if we give in to him, we won't give him a name right now. If we give in to him <laughs> fanning the flames of white supremacy and xenophobia and fall victim to the racism he has historically promoted, then we let the oppressive forces win. Um, and as I said, you know, like that, is there, there's so much wisdom just in that statement alone and just in your reflection on just like the transference of power, right? And kind of like this sleight of hand of um, getting distracted <laughs> um, and not really having, um, not being attuned to the strategy of this oppression, right? Um, how were you able to sift through the noise to get through get to the truth, you know, just in your space in journalism and then also in, in organizing and amplifying the truth of community. Yeah, I think it's speaking to the community directly and having us focus on not what the oppressor is saying, but what the community is saying mm-hmm. and how we can create a movement that is inclusive of all of us, not just to select groups and really amplifying the conversation around the community. Um, I think you know, the media we're seeing is so powerful, um, which is part of the reasons why I decided to pursue journalism. Um, the media has the power to create the change that we need or to create change on the local and national standard. Um, and so if we are able to really highlight our own voices and 
and speak to um, against power, against injustice, then we'll really be able to overcome the you know oppressive forces. And and to also make sure that those stories stay at the forefront of the conversation as much as possible. Um, yes, we definitely need more of you. Um, <laughs> and I know I know that there's actually been efforts um, over the past year or so, um, like even with the release of the 1619 Project, you know, mm-hmm. there have been resources that are um, being funneled into underrepresented groups in the space of journalism, right? And just like the non-traditional media or media, you know, non-traditional media platforms. So um, I, I, I am really, really hopeful that over the next couple of years, we're definitely going to literally see a shifting um, in the demographic, but then also just in the content um, that is at the forefront of the of national and, and global um, discourse. Right. And that also is a matter of providing, you know, youth who are pursuing careers with the access to know that that is a career, that it's a possibility. Um, I didn't think that, you know, I could be a journalist because I was like, oh, well, I've never really, like, written before. Like, even at my high school, there was no, like, journalism program. Mm -hmm. But, oh, I do remember I did start the journalism program there. And then other students ended up going to the same journalism school because we were able to see that journalism was a career. So that's just one of the many ways that you can, like, you recognize that there's an opportunity and providing others with access to the same opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of, so one needs to be observant enough, right? And, and aware to, to take that in. And um, again, there is a, there's a flood of distractions <laughs> that are that are abound, um, whether it's like some TikTok t- challenge or, <laughs> or or whatever. Um, yeah. But, you know, the the truth of the matter is that, you know, there are growing concerns of the economic impact that mm-hmm. the pandemic is going to like it, it's having on everyone um, that it's having like the millennials um myself and my fellow millennials um, have experienced now for our second time. And now, you know, you know, your fellow Gen Zers, like, what advice would you offer up to your peers to keep them encouraged and and mobilized in a moment like this where um, there's, there are challenges, right? And maybe like they're an ideal job prospect that they had in mind is, um, you know, just experiencing the, the, the impact and the, the fallout um, mm-hmm. from, from the global pandemic. Yeah, I do think, though, that this time, this pandemic, um, is a time to really invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. I've taken it as a time to not only focus on the, like, opportunities that are going to come after, but rather um, what I have access to right now. And what I have access to is myself, and recognizing that my worth is not placed on the opportunity that's gonna come after or the job or the school. Um, It's really analyzing who I am, what my values are, um, the the type of change I want to create and what I have access to here at home. Um, So for me, I've taken the time to really like read more, um, to write more, to really hone in on these skills that I know I enjoy, but will help me later on. Um, also, I'm still enrolled in school, so maybe like we should all focus on school. Maybe you know TikTok's really big, but like 
focus on what you got to do. And then later on, the opportunities to, you know, like, I don't know, you could work for TikTok one day. Like, there's a lot of jobs for, like, media. But it's a matter of recognizing what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, being co- part of the media conversation. Um, but really taking advantage of your access to resources, taking advantage of your access to pursue an education, um, and taking advantage of access to invest in yourself. I love that. I love, you know, the point of really taking this opportunity to invest in the things that you know are within your your sphere of just who you are, you know, just as, as a person and uh, your interests and really tapping into that. Um, that's, you know, a wise young woman. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I just, I also see that with this generation, there's like an insane amount of pressure to want to, you know, that we need to be a certain way or we need to always like look on the, for the next opportunity or look for, I don't know, ways to, I don't know, just be engaged. And I do believe that's essential. I do believe we should always stay engaged. But I don't think that we should place our worth on the opportunities that we're given. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, like, yes, invest in yourself, but also look into things that you might want to apply for, um, you know, when things get back to normal or look for opportunities that um, are within reach right now. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to be digital organizers for a variety of organizations. Um, and maybe you can start seeing what it's like, you know, from home. Um, so, yeah, take advantage of opportunities and take advantage of, you know, investing in yourself. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, so, Irene, we close with our tea affirmation and you've already dropped a lot of wisdom, uh, <laughs> truly wise beyond your years. Um, what would be, what's your tea affirmation for, for our listeners? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I do think that we should um, we should come together. Um, we should build a movement that is inclusive of everybody. I really highlight this idea of intersectional like movement building. Um, we need to come together, especially during a time like this. Um, but even after, we need to see that a lot of the issues that we're advocating for are often exclusive to one community. Um, but it's a matter of recognizing that things like climate change and immigration and, um, you know, a variety of issues are tied together. And, you know, we're not just we shouldn't only focus on one. Um, we need to find a way to really be inclusive of everybody um, to create a society and communities that really work for everybody. Thank you. Come together and build an inclusive movement. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yes, this is amazing. Thank you for allowing me to be absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, how do people stay in touch with you, your journey? I mean, you're part of this inaugural class um, for you know this climate fellowship. How do people stay connected with you? Um, I would say social media, of course. Um, That is the essence of digital organizing and all things movement building. Um, You can follow me at. I Franco Rubio, I Franco Rubio, um, on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I don't really use Facebook. That's that's a Gen Z thing. We don't use Facebook. Uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, oh, the shade. No, that's the big thing. Uh, yeah, we can connect on LinkedIn. This is like this is how you move up, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a variety of opportunities. You can also email me. Um, feel free to reach out if I can be of any assistance to you or your community. Um, or to provide more words of wisdom, I'd be more than happy to. So thank you again for having me. And this is awesome. 
Thank you. Thank you for just being a part of our 40 and truly um, imparting wisdom, uh, just reigniting our passion in, in the work at large. And it's just so great to see and to know that you are in this space and uh, you're not in it just for yourself. You're in it for the community. And while you are advancing, you're reaching back to make sure that others are rising with you. And you're also looking to those that have come before you um, to leverage the change that yeah. you want to see in the community. Of course. One one last note that I will, you made me think of, um, you know, I guess some words out to the youth is that all it really takes is one person, one moment, one experience or one opportunity um, that will really provide you with the ability to you know, have the courage to get involved. Um, all it takes is one chance and one, um, just one moment to realize, you know, what you want to be or the type of change you're capable, capable of creating um, to really, you know, create something that, you know, a career for yourself and um, an opportunity to invest in your community. So for your first podcast, you dropped two T affirmations. So cheers to you. And we're going to sip on that. <laughs> one, one for the Gen Zers, one for everybody else. <laughs> thank you so much, Amy. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Until we connect again, sip, sis, say la, share, and continue to serve.